Hello, this is Philippe Rover, Dialogue Snack Practice. We're reinventing the experience of care. I'm here today with Melissa Nobile. She's the psychologist and coordinator and project manager here at the Kusnak Practice. Good morning. Good morning, Philip. We're here together, Melissa, because I have a few questions regarding the, Q, the new NSPCC survey on the effects of the pandemic on young people's mental health. Deep diving into this, it comes out that basically the rising stress level have taken a toll on the mental and emotional health of young people since the first coronavirus lockdown that was imposed in March in the UK's children's charity. The NSPCC was warned. Calls to the charity's uh, Childline service reached nearly 43,000 between March and October, with mental health worries making up more than a third of all its counselling sessions new figures showed. Um, these numbers are proof of the huge current strain on the mental health of the world's youth, aren't they? Well, what these numbers indicate is that there seems to be a correlation between the evolution of the pandemic and the number of, um, in this case, phone calls to this uh, children's charity. So what I'm tempted to say, it's not the pandemic in itself has a causal direct link to the increase in mental health problems, but the pandemic has changed our day-to-day -day life. And it's probably through these, what we call mediating factors, that we will see an increase in mental health difficulties. Um, and these mediating factors are going to be maybe for the, these youth having a harder time spending time with their friends because in certain countries there's limitations on the number of people that can regroup. Uh, leisure being cancelled in Switzerland in some places there's no more possibility to practice their hobbies. And maybe a feeling of lack of control. We know especially for teenagers that um, it's an age where they try to take control on their environment and they need to feel that. And in a pandemic, well, a lot can feel completely out of control, which can be challenging for them. Uh, an increase in screen time, which sometimes can have great benefits, but can also be complicated for some. The stress of the news, fear of a loved one getting sick, a whole group of different mediating factors. And uh, the NSPCC said its counselors had heard from children who were feeling isolated, anxious and insecure after being cut off from their usual social support networks. How can families help to replicate those conventional networks to support their loved ones? I think the first step would actually be for families and parents especially to accept that they can't exactly replicate normal life. And maybe that can take away some pressure too. The first step to think, okay, we can't replicate a normal day-to-day -day life. We can only try our best to make this phase okay and bearable for our child. And then the next step would be, if possible, to have an open conversation with the, the children and understand their world, enter the way the child is thinking and ask them questions. What is it that's the most difficult for you? Is there something for you that's particularly worrying? Um, and to ask questions, um, children can be quite good at actually just saying what's on their mind. And based on these responses, to get creative it can be deciding, okay, let's in store that twice a week we have a virtual dinner with friends, board games as a family, building a board game as a family, um, deciding that this is an opportunity to do things we don't usually take the time to do, such as uh, 
exploring a different part of nature in the countryside of wherever you live, etc. So I think a combination of all these things can help and getting creative could be the key to a lot of solutions. Again, bearing in mind that you can only do your best in a time that is going to be stressful and difficult and complicated for a lot of people. I can see how lockdown is actually adding to that challenge. Yeah. And some children had developed eating disorders such as binge eating and bulimia for the first time, while others with existing eating disorders had reported worse symptoms, aggravation, and had relapsed. And the, the, the charity has found this uh, fairly uh, consistently. Are these kind of reactions common in such circumstances? And what kind of individuals and families do to help suffer suffers relapsing? Yes, it's it's not surprising for me, and it's pretty well known in research and amongst clinicians that when someone is going through a stressful time or a challenging time, they're more likely to relapse or to have heightened symptoms. That is because when you're going through a certain intensity of stress or, or isolation, which is a form of stress, you can picture it a little bit like a jug. So if it's a jug of water and we all have different cracks, which are our vulner vulnerabilities, and in a certain times, these cracks are just going to be revealed more than at other times, including if the water is just overflowing because a lot is going on. So not surprising, you need a lot of resources to, to go through these, these kind of times. And I can give you more of a generic answer on what families can do because it will, the specific answer will depend on the situation. But again, similar to my last answer, it would be to talk to your child, understand what's going on for them as much as you can. And then depending on that, you'll be able to, to maybe make a decision as a parent that feels right for you. And I would advise to seek professional help if you see that your child is, um, is suffering. The figures um, still in the same vein, this, the figures are revealing that the counseling sessions for eating and body image disorders rose by 32% after the March uh, lockdown. This is a very sharp leap. and. So in your, in your opinion, what can be done to try and help such feeling by those young people who fear they are developing such disorders, in your opinion? Well, there's a lot of different reasons why someone may be on the path of developing eating disorder or body image problematics. If you're a place where you're afraid of the, the place it's taking you, that is exactly when I would actually recommend to seek professional help especially for eating disorders where we know that the earliest we intervene the best likelihood we have at reaching a full recovery so i'd encourage you to seek help and in the pandemic there's online services there's a lot of different options for that yeah. mm -hmm. um, i touched briefly on that in a previous podcast it is quite difficult to to treat alone an eating disorder in the early stages indeed i would invite our listeners and audience to actually refer to the previous podcast for, for that specific uh, chapter. Um, the charity has, uh, has now launched a Nobody is Normal campaign encouraging children to speak out and get help to discuss their anxiety and, and distress. How relevant is this Nobody is Normal message in your opinion? Is that an important and pertinent phrase for young people to remember? Yes, I think the motto is interesting because it's a very human fear to be marginalized or to be afraid of being abnormal. Humans, we like to fit in 
And being marginalized is often perceived as a threat. And that's, from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense where we have to belong in a certain group uh, to ensure our survival. And it just still stayed in our way of thinking amongst lots of other factors in our modern society. And then added to that, in adolescence, during the process of adolescence, it's an age group where being different is even more threatening than at any other age. Teenagers have to go through different developmental tasks. One of them is building their identity and an identity of their own and to differentiate from the family. And so for that, they're gonna lean a lot more onto a peer group. Um, And that's why you'll see in high school, for example, teenagers all wearing the same shoes or listening to the same music, Mm -hmm. etc., because they need to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, So all that being said, this motto, nobody is normal, can be a way to help pass a message that the perfect human doesn't exist and that the differences are not only um, acceptable, but it's normal to not be completely normal or whatever the ideal can look like. And the others too can diverge on these points. So I think it's a, it's a nice motto that they found to, to begin to get that message through. Thank you. We were together today with Melissa Nobile, a psychologist and operation coordinator and project manager here at the Kuznak Practice. Thank you very much, Melissa. Thank you for having me.